Welcome to another of the 10 Minutes with Cood Street podcasts that Jonathan Strawn and I have been doing since since March, I guess. We're, we're, we're closing on, on 80 or 90 of them by now. Today, I'm spending 10 minutes with, uh, with writer, professor, critic, editor, uh, and one of the gurus of the Shirley Jackson Awards, uh, <laughs> Brett Fox. How are you, Brett? I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks for having me on. And you can answer a question uh, that uh, I've been asked and don't know the answer to. Uh, the Shirley Jackson Awards nominees have been announced. It's an impressive list of nominees. But how there's there's no place to present the awards this year. Ah, no. Yeah, you see, you noticed um, uh-huh. that all I can tell you is that that is in progress. And yeah. um, I'm just going to leave it at that because I'm afraid that if I uh, tried to speculate beyond that i would wind up giving inaccurate information i will say that we are working on having some kind of virtual awards presentation but it's still in the works as to exactly what form that will take but we will definitely uh be you know honoring our uh nominees uh there and you know the awards will be uh presented so uh, but it's just um you know, my answer to everything these days is because pandemic. Uh, that yeah, was why, exactly. you know, that was why we it took us longer than usual to get the final list finalized and announced, and the presentation is still um, working. I will say that as sort of uh, related to the awards is that um, uh, the good folk down in North Bennington, Vermont, uh, have been doing a Shirley Jackson Day for the past several years, and it's usually toward the end of June, somewhere in the vicinity of Lottery Day. Um, And uh, so they have, that's normally an in-person thing. And uh, we've been very, we who are doing the awards have been very happy to connect with them for the past few years. And we've had uh, both uh, members of the board and nominees um, doing readings from Shirley Jackson's work uh, as part of the the celebration. And it's my understanding that is going to go on this year again as a virtual um, event uh, through uh, the folks in, in North Bennington. And I believe that's going to be on um, uh, Saturday, June 27th at okay. 7, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, line up again to be finalized. I mercifully, I am not uh, responsible for the planning of this. This is the folks in Bennington who do the Shirley Jackson Day so these celebration. Are the people, uh, these are the people in in, in Bennington, Vermont, mm-hmm. itself, not necessarily the university. Right, right. This is uh, well. I don't know how familiar you are if you spent any time in Bennington, but there's the town of Bennington. And then there is the campus of Bennington College, and then there is a separate, much smaller town of North Bennington. Ah. And North Bennington is where the Jacksons, uh, the Jackson Hymans, uh, where um, um, the Shirley and Stanley uh, and the kids lived. Right. And um, uh, a couple of the uh, children still live in the area. And um, so there are. Uh, so that's still, you know, very much ongoing there. And I was going to say it's something that says something about the nature of reputations that there's probably no Stanley Edgar Hyman Day. 
Uh, yes. Well, funny thing about that. Funny <laughs> thing. Yeah. Well, the, the the weird thing is that you know I remember Stanley Edgar Hyman within the academic community. I mean, not not I'm not old enough, thank God, to have you know, been there at the day. But mm -hmm. uh, you remember the paperback, the kind of standard paperback edition of A Clockwork Orange that we all had. Oh, and yeah. he did. And he did the glossary that oh. was in the back of that book. I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. It would take too much time for me to dig out my copy. But that orange Valentine paperback uh, had a glossary of NADSAT. In it, all huh. the Russianisms in there, and Hyman uh, constructed that glossary. That's the first I ever heard of it. Fascinating. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, during all this lockdown, and I know you had to switch your teaching around like everybody else did, but oh, are, you, are, you, are you getting any reading done? Oh, well, not as much as I. And well, I, I am overly, perhaps overly fond of saying that uh, from where I live, in Vermont, and speaking of the fine rural life, you may hear a train going by. We, I did. Uh, I have a pattern in my life of winding up living near railroad tracks. Make of that <laughs> what you will. But I, um, you know, I say I could pave a highway from here to Montreal with the books I have not read. <laughs> and uh, of course, the when the lockdown happened in March, and I think of it in connection with ICFA, of course, because everything just kind of collapsed oh, sure. right around then. In fact, Jeannie and I canceled our plans like the day before they uh, canceled the, right. uh, the conference last. Yeah. And so uh, from then to the end of the semester, I was just utterly consumed with uh, my class. And, uh, and since then, um, you know, in terms of uh, comfort, seeking out comfort uh, in things, I've probably been watching more television than I have been reading. But I have, a, but I have encountered a couple of things, and these mm -hmm. are sort of uh, odd, um, unassociated nonfiction works. And since um, I think I'm remembering your podcast with uh, Andy Duncan, since in that, as in so many things, he's already paved the, <laughs> paved the way. Uh, although I did, I want you to, I, I sent him a, a message making a suggestion as to how he might put the Lenny Bruce autobiography to use. And he, <laughs> he wisely declined my suggestion, but we'll yeah. just leave it at that. We'll see what um, happens. Yes, we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, one bit, the last book that I've read from start to finish during this thing is a nonfiction book called Cool Town. And the subtitle is How Athens, Georgia Launched Alternative Music and Changed American Culture. And it's by a writer named Grace Elizabeth Hale, who is a history professor at the University of Virginia. And it's published by University of North Carolina Press. It's my Favorite kind of book, about 300 pages of text and 150 pages of footnotes. Uh -huh. And it's a very strong intervention into this particular topic. But um, anybody who knows me knows of my deep interest in music and how imprinted mm -hmm. I was in particular by uh, the uh, the whole punk and new wave thing and what followed. And uh, this is also a personal reference for me because um, I never lived in Athens, Georgia, but I spent time there when I was living in Georgia because that's where uh, my wife, uh, 
Chitty Beckwith got her, did her finished up graduate work. And so she, we used to go up to Athens a fair amount. This was after the rise of the scene in the, uh, you know, eighties and all of that, but it was still very much there. And when this, and this person who wrote the book, Grace Elizabeth Hale was an undergraduate at university of Georgia starting when I was starting my graduate work just up the road in Columbia, South Carolina, at the University of South Carolina. And so it's all very resonant for me. And it's a it's a fascinating thing. In fact, I discovered this book uh, through uh, Elizabeth Hand because she had posted a reference to it um, yeah, on Liz, Facebook. This is a walking encycl- encyclopedia of the punk era. Oh, my word. Yes, she. uh, Well, in fact, that's one of the that kind of uh, cemented our friendship, really, is that uh, never mind all this literature stuff. But, you know, man, she went to CBGB's. Let's talk about that. And it uh, so anyway, so I read that and it was a very fine book. And I do commend it to the attention of anybody who's interested in that sort of uh, that sort of thing. Uh, and it was, I mean, any book that has footnoted references to uh, one of my favorite obscure Athens bands called the Barbecue Killers, you know, you can't go wrong. No, that's <laughs> you just, you, you can't go wrong. And the, uh, what I'm dipping into now, and it just started, is a little bit more aligned with um, science fiction. It is a book with the title Sex and Rockets, the Occult World of Jack Parsons. Oh, really? And yeah, this is a, I got this at a bookstore in the East Village the last oh. time I was in New York, which seems like a century ago, but it was actually just back in December. Um, I had uh, had the opportunity to go down to actually just attend and hang out at uh, a KGB reading. And uh, quickly explain to everybody who Jack Parsons was because bizarre character. Oh, bizarre does isn't the half of it. Jack (laughs) Parsons. Jack Parsons was a pioneer in rocketry and uh, was a key person in the development of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And he was also a follower of Aleister Crowley and a practitioner of sex magic. And, uh, you know, you ca- I really don't need to say anything else after that, except that he was l- at least generally part of that Los Angeles crowd that included um, L. Ron Hubbard uh, and included, uh, you know, Heinlein and right. all those people, in fact, um, it's been so long since I've read the, uh, this other book I'm about to mention. I couldn't give you specifics, but uh, I believe that Parsons is one of the um, uh, character, Romana Clay characters in uh, Anthony Boucher's Rockets to the Moor. So, because oh, um, he was yeah, part of the Manana Literary Society. I think. I think he's part of the because I'm just sort of now getting into the book. And for anyone, it's the book is written by the name on the book is John Carter, which is uh, acknowledged to be a pseudonym. My my not my deep state knowledge does not admit of who actually that is. The book does have an introduction by Robert Anton Wilson, which also kind of sets of course, the stage. What else is right? I think. Well, yeah. Parsons, Parsons also shows up as a character in a China Me Able novel. I think it's really. I think okay. he shows up in For the sure. last days of New Paris, 
um, because there. Was oh, a, be oh, be still my heart. I, <laughs> I have I haven't read that one yet. So uh, I haven't read the last days in New Paris yet. It it sits. It's in that. It's a paving stone on the way to Montreal. But oh yeah. It, it, it just sits on my sits on my shelf, and I'll get to it. I'll get to it eventually. You said you were going but, to mention another book. Oh, the other book. Uh, well, the other book I mentioned meant to mention was uh, Rocket to the Moor, uh, oh, yeah. which again I haven't looked at in years. I will say uh, that um, uh, one thing I've noticed an interesting kind of parallel trend in your ten minute podcast, which I've been enjoying very much. By the Thank way, you. you and Jonathan, you and Jonathan, you're doing a great service by giving us a little, you know, letting us hear from as many people as possible at this time, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, but there seems to be kind of a parallel trend between people who, when you're talking about what are you reading during all of this, who are either saying, well, the last thing I want to read is any kind of anything about plagues or apocalypse exactly. or whatever, and others who are kind of doubling down and, you know, really diving into that. And I'm in the doubling down category. And another book that I I actually ordered because I didn't have a copy of it was um, that I had never read, or at least all the way through, is Daniel Defoe's Journal of the Plague Year, which is could have been written last month. I know. <laughs> I, I, I've not looked it, at it again, but I, re, I it is scary how right. how uh, that would be. Yeah. Yeah, it is just amazing. All the issues are the same. All the behaviors are the same. All the conflicts are the same. And we can only hope that the outcome is not going to be the same. It's just a remarkable uh, piece of work. And uh, this is how poor an academic I am. I deliberately ordered it in a cheap, uh, the Dover Thrift Edition, yeah, because I, it because it does not maintain the um, 18th century capitalization uh, uh -huh. protocols, which always threw me every time I have to teach, not have to teach, right. every time I choose to teach, like you know Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, I'm like, oh man, all those capital letters. But, and right, uh, yeah, capitalizing. Yeah. I guess the rule was capitalize any noun you thought was important. Um, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But the last question is, what have you uh, been working on and what can we be looking forward from your corner of the woods? Oh, my heavens. Um, I did. Um, well, I'm going to do something um, not in my own best interest. I did want to throw in one more reference, oh, book sure. reference before I talk about my own stuff. I um, when I, I was finishing up a uh, class, um, a science fiction class this past semester and I decided we were having to make all sorts of adjustments on the syllabus. And I decided to have to keep the last two things I was going to have them read in the um, course, which is officially called World Science Fiction, uh, which was uh, the Strugatsky Brothers Roadside Picnic and Octavia Butler's Parable of the Talents. And I was a little bit nervous about this because, you know, do they really want to be should I have be having them read? these books at this time and i'm happy to report that the students responded very positively uh to the books they seem to be quite taken with them and noted the appropriateness i mean again butler's novel you know as you know is another just kind of scary act. it's really terrifying more so yeah. now than ever i but know it it is just an amazing thing 
And um, then, um, and but the Strugatsky brothers novel is kind of interesting too, because there's a kind of, you know, plague factor in that. And it's also just, um, uh, and it's a novel of aftermath, which is something mm-hmm. I've, I've always been drawn to. So in terms of, uh, uh, genre work that you might look at in this time. If you want to go uh, in the double down mode, then, you know, roadside picnic and especially parable of the sower is uh, just amazing stuff. Yeah. As for my, uh, yeah, you had a book of short stories out last year. I did. Yeah, actually it's been, this is how time has passed. It was actually in uh, 2018. Really? Okay. Yeah. So publication date was August 2018, but it's still out there, everyone. My collection, The End of All Our Exploring, uh, which was published by Fairwood Press. That is Patrick Swenson's wonderful um, thing out in uh, the Pacific Northwest. And uh, that is still out there. I have published one short story. Since then, uh, that has appeared in the anthology Portals, edited by Patricia Bray and S.C. Butler. Uh, that is from the um, wonderfully named Zombies Need Brains uh, press, although the story has no zombies in it. Mm-hmm. It's called um, the um, A Bend in the Air. And the, I refer to this as my sword and sorcery story with no swords and very little sorcery. Okay, that sounds... Yeah, yeah. So I um, I have done a couple of uh, stories. The story in my collection called The Deep End appeared in a, another uh, Zombies Need Brains anthology called Portals. Uh, so every once in a while, Sam Butler will ask me to write something. I'm like, really? You want me to write that? And so uh, there you go. And I've got a couple of um, of uh, I've got a couple of, of other news stories, both very short, that are both making the rounds. So we'll see what happens to that. I'm hoping to get as much done as I can before the end of the summer, because once mm-hmm. my semester starts, it's going to be all consuming uh, okay. once again. Yeah. All so right. in terms of fiction, that's uh, that's what. That's been, uh, that's what's going on. Okay, well, we are really over our 10 minutes, as I always am with these things. But Yeah, they're, well, they're, that's... They're, we've talked for 10 minutes and, and, and then some. Uh, yeah. But again, this has been uh, a, a, a Cood Street podcast, 10 Minutes with F. Brett Cox. Thank you so much for being with us, Brett. Oh, thank you, Gary. It was my pleasure.